Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, I <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no place That's right. On this day, November 3rd, 1956, max. That's two years before I was born, so you know this was really old. But The Wizard of Oz made his debut on TV on this day in history, my friend. How about that? Wow. There we go. So you were born during black and white television is what you're telling me. Well, understand, first of all, okay, it made its debut on TV. Now, Frank L. Baum wrote the book way back, all right? And it was, The Wizard of Oz was filmed in 1939. Actually, it came out one week before World War II started when Germany invaded Poland, if you can imagine that. So it was released nationally one week before that. Great googly moogly. That is wild. Or a bad witch? Uh, yeah. Well, we know who the bad witch was. All right. Yeah. Yes, we do. Exactly. Yes, we do. Well, it's funny because The Wizard of Oz only started making money after it was re-released in theaters in 1949 and 1955, and it was the TV that made The Wizard of Oz so very big because CBS broadcasted it in 1956. And they got 35 million viewers. Think about that in 1956. That is pretty crazy, right? I mean, I think that's that's what's actually uh, wild. Because, you know, you think about Wizard of Oz, and you think about just the fan fa- fave that it is. Um, my daughters love Wizard of Oz. In right. fact, my daughter did a, did a play last year, and she was the good witch. Oh, good. Uh, she was Glinda <laughs> in, in, in the... Uh, in the tail. Um, your, and, your daughters uh, are too pretty to be the ugly witch. You can't do that. Yeah, and who wants to be green? You know, yeah, I mean, that, that doesn't work. Unless you're Shrek or Hulk. Those are the only two times. Or the Jolly green. green Giant. That was a commercial that I grew up with, you know. That, that is true, but he was also healthy, so I don't know how well that does for offensive linemen. Yeah, that's true. Like that's the, a good With point. the veggies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. there was no cheese, you know, with the uh, You got no Jolly cheese, you can't. I'm sorry, it doesn't work. You're right. 
Yeah, no, it just makes it tough. It makes it tough. <laughs> but now, <clears throat> so did you know? Here, here's a little, little, little known fact. What color was Dorothy's dress in The Wizard of Oz? Oh, wow. I can't remember. That's a great question. So, what color so, was it? Her dress was actually pink. Really? Not blue. Everybody associates blue. That's more Alice in Wonderland. I was leaning but, towards blue, but I was like, no, nah, that, that doesn't sound right. So, yeah, because it was like, it was almost like a, because in Technicolor, when they were filming back then, the three strip method. Right. Um, Oh, the three, oh to, the three strip method. You, you wanna, do you want to elaborate on that? <laughs> well, the, the technical, it, you know, it was, it, was, uh, it was an expensive film process where you had to use the three different strips to kind of overlay to show colors and everything. That was the whole thing about technical. How about that? And you even know the answer for crying out loud. I couldn't even, I couldn't even have a laugh at that. Way to go. <laughs> but, yeah, but no, because it, it was blue and light pink was what they had to change to make the color pop. Oh, that's interesting. Now, this, back in, in, let's see, Time Magazine called uh, The Wizard of Oz the most popular single film property property in the history of TV. I thought that was amazing. You know, it wasn't shown again. Now, remember, they only showed it in uh, 49 and 56 and then 59. And then over the years, Oz has captured an average... On average, uh, of fifty-three percent of all sets in use at the time, and thirty percent is considered high. Now, is that that's pretty amazing? You got quite a run going on here with the Wizard of Oz. Wow, that that that's that, I mean that that's pretty fantastic to note. That I mean, you could actually have that much popularity held with something that you don't see as frequently, right? Because in today's day and age, right. Everything's binge watching. Oh, we got the whole entire series out on Netflix, or it's it's at least weekly, and then there's replays right. throughout the week leading up to the next episode. So to hear that, I mean that that that's what's fantastic about this tale is that you know it, it's carry it's, it's carried through time, and you can use the word timeless on it because no matter when you play, it, like people stop to watch that 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 movie. I mean, my girls, I, I think we we're flipping through the TVs. I can't think of. I think it was like last summer. And it was on as like we had to stop, no matter what point it was. Right. Just watch it as is. You got and then to. Then they asked to watch it from the beginning again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, think about this. In 1939, it was released. Gone with the Wind won the Oscar for Best Picture in 1939. Citizen Kane was also released in 1939 as well. Yet neither of those matched the epic proportions of 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 audience you know, conglomeration like you're just talking about, as did The Wizard of Oz. Isn't that amazing? And it, think, yeah. think about this. Gone with the Wind didn't appear on TV until 1976, uh, 20 years after The Wizard of Oz appeared on TV. I just thought that was amazing. Wow, that is pretty awesome. All right, I got another one for you, Wolf. Okay, all right, hit me up with it. Let's go. Dorothy's famed ruby slippers? yes. They were originally silver. No way. That's no what they were described way. in the book. Yep, they were silver. The only reason why was that the MGM studio head, Louis B. Mayer, which right. is Metro Goldwyn, Goldwyn Mayer, right. um, is the name of the studio company, wanted to show off Technicolor, so he changed it to Ruby. 
Red. No kidding. Because, yeah, of he course, to, he to show they showed, what, after the, uh, the the cabin landed in Oz, she comes out, and then it's in Technicolor. Yeah. And all of yeah. a sudden, and, and there was, there had not been color TV. It was only black and white back in the day. Yep. How about uh-huh. that? You know? Not bad, not bad. I'm looking at – all right, who was your favorite character? Let me ask you that. Oh, Toto. No, just joking. Um, <laughs> we actually have a little dog named Toto. Oh, my gosh. See, you guys are Wizard of Oz fans. See, oh, yeah. Love it. Yeah. Uh, no, I would probably say the Cowardly Lion was probably mine. That was my favorite, too. I like the Cowardly oh, Put him yeah. up. Put him up. <laughs> Put them up. Put them up. That's it. You're doing yeah. better than I do. I like yeah. that. <laughs> you got to put a little more. In yeah, it. I got him more of the. Pup. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not- but um, but but the one thing I didn't like, you know, because it, it was like the Tin Man with no heart. I mean, he was cool, but like you said, we have no heart, man. You know, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'd rather just have courage. I mean, I I I, I get, you know, I'd rather earn courage. But have the brains and the heart, you know what I'm saying? Well, I, 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 I probably yeah. most closely associate with the scarecrow. <laughs> I mean, we're we're lacking a little brains. Yeah, yeah. It's you a know. transition, you know. Hey, as long as you're not the Tin Man, right? Yeah, exactly so. Be that stiff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Now, you, can't, you can't be stiff and you can't be cold. All right, who <laughs> freaked you out most? The, the winged monkeys or the witch? Oh, no, definitely the winged monkeys. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. To this day, I still, you know, you you, you you know, you watch it and you let's see those winged monkeys. You know, man, them things look evil, don't they? You imagine those things flying along. You know, I remember what Halloween. You know, you 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 go out there and you see somebody in a witch outfit, and all of a sudden you're a little kid. And you're like, going, "Where's the winged monkeys? Ah, they're coming to get me. Oh man, I got to go home." You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh! Like, you see that? You- Hey, you see that? You're just like, nope, not today. Not today. Not today. No, <laughs> no I, th- I think I have a lot of indoor things to do today. Nope. It's cloudy with a chance of flying monkeys. I can't do that. <laughs> oh, my heavens, yes. But anyhow, yeah. on this day, and no- November 3rd, 1956, The Wizard of Oz made its debut on TV. And I, I have to say this, that was a Wolfly staple. You know, Ronnie and Dale... My sisters, Lenny Ray and Joy, you know, were all sat around. It was a big event, you know, because you'd sit there and we didn't, we never went to movies and stuff like that, you know, we were little kids. So you're sitting around and you go, The Wizard of Oz, and you'd be at like all day long waiting for it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it, like you said, it was something you just look for. That, that's when it was appointment television, you know? Like, good point. Like events, yep. events were so much bigger on television. I mean, now. You know, once the advent of like the 24-hour news network um, and the success of that really pushed the envelope as far as what other stations needed to do. Because you remember, you know, I'm sure, especially back in your day, you know, in my day, television went off at a certain time, right? Mm-hmm. They showed the American flag, they played taps, yep. and then the TV just turned off and went to black. So there was nothing to watch if you were a, a night owl or working a late shift or something or just up late. Like, you couldn't just watch television and no. just watch a show. Like, it was like, nope, we're done. Everybody's asleep. You need to be too. So <laughs> That's true. That's, yeah. I wonder how many people can remember that. You know, it yeah, exa- exactly. Yeah, everybody else. You know, now you can, you can literally watch something and not go to sleep and have an insomnia inevitably if you wanted to be. 
Um, you know, oh, I did. I, I, this is the last one I want to mention. Little Wizard of Oz trivia, Wolf. Okay. What was the what was the Tin Man supposed to cry when he cried? What type of substance was supposed to c- come from his eyes, quote unquote, if he's a Tin Man? I thought it was oil. Yes, you are correct. <laughs> Good job. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. All right. But in the movie, what happened? It was chocolate syrup. Oh. Okay. It filmed better than oil. I see. Yeah. Ah, uh-huh. yeah. So, Wolf, you would have been licking your face the entire time. <laughs> while yeah, I could. Yeah, I could say that. That definitely for sure. I will tell you this. How about this? Did you know that Toto was a female dog that played a male? How about that? I did not know that. Yes. Yes. Toto was a female dog that played a male dog in the movie. And here's the one that gets me, because you know, you know the Munchkins, right? Toto made more money than the Munchkins. You kidding me? I, now, come on. What? That's wrong. That's just, you that, know, that, what's that, 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 that Randy, what's the song, you know, Short People? I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm, I, I'm actually astounded at that, <laughs> because the dog just had to like run around and be held, right? Right. The munchies had to like sing, dance, run around the set, and everything, and act frenzied and crazy. Um, yeah, that's weird. That, that, exactly that's weird. so. How, well, you how know what? Does it, how does a dog? I mean, I know we love dogs here right. in, in in the uh, in the United States. In the locker room. Come on. Yeah, we love our dogs. Yeah, I, I love a dog too. Um, you know, what? Uh, one hundred and twenty-five bucks a week versus fifty bucks. That two? You get two and a half munchkins for one Toto. <laughs> I'm just telling you. You know, there's there, what, are, what are you gonna do? You know, it, it, it yeah. just it just happened. But anyhow, the the munchkins could have gone on strike. Hey, listen, I think we ought. They to get... did form a union afterwards, by the way. A munchkin union, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it was because. So the original one was led to the formation of Midgets of America ad- Advocacy Group, which is now known as Little People of America. You got to be kidding me! I didn't know and all from that. that from that movie because the lifelong friendships and everything that they gained, they started an advocacy group for little people. Before we go to break, because we got the the cool breeds coming, and it's amazing oh, what you what you Googleate over there, my friend. But I I yeah. need to send, take a moment just to send heartfelt uh, condolences to my former. One of my former coaches uh, at Syracuse University, and that's Tom Coughlin uh, and the entire uh, Coughlin clan. Uh, Coach Coughlin, his beloved wife Judy, passed away this morning, has been reported. And so mucho love to all the Coughlin family. Um, that's, uh, I know, uh, that's just got to be so, uh, so tough for him. Um, Coach Coughlin, you know, you think about on that staff way back when, we had Jerry Angelo, who was the GM of the Bears from. 2001 to 2011, somewhere in there. We had Nick Saban was on there for a year or two, and we also had Tom Coughlin. Pretty interesting guys at Syracuse in the late 70s. Wow, that is crazy (laughs) who was on that staff. Really, you know, (laughs) on a team that finished no better than, what, six and five, I think, or seven and five we were my senior year. Apparently, you guys were the experimental team before they figured out their processes. <laughs> well, buddy, we got the cool breeze coming up, so we better head out. Yeah. All right. Let's 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 take a break because we got Jerry Dulac 
coming up on the other side of the break here in the locker room with Wolf and Starks here on SNR and ESPN Radio. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Jimmy Buffett who? Fire up the blenders. <laughs> Get your frozen margarita pina colada mixes. I'm a Miami Vice kind of guy. I like the little daiquiri pina colada combo when I'm on vacation. It is the one, the only cool breeze, Jerry Dulac. And Jerry is brought to us by Archie's on East Carson Street on the south side. $9 Bud Light pitchers every NFL Sunday how are you, Mr. Cool Breeze? How are you doing today? Well, Max, you know, I am fine, my friend. I hope you are as well in the desert. If, yes. in fact, that's where you are. <laughs> I, at, at, at this current time in the morning, at 1025 a.m., I am Eastern Standard Time, of course, it's 725 here. Uh, I am in the desert. I won't be tomorrow. I will be traveling to Charlottesville for the University of Virginia take on the UNC Tar Heels. So I'll be doing that this weekend. See, Jerry, greatness never rests. He's on it. He's on it. He's on the move. You know? Yeah, you don't you don't even get it. You don't even get a free weekend, Max. <laughs> no. No, no. Bye weeks are for active players, not not for not for guys masquerading. <laughs> there you go. There as, you as go. Team personnel. Yeah. Absolutely. Exactly so. Okay, let me ask you this, guys. Going in now, we came into the the, the the bye with every got a lot of thoughts in that. Coming out of the bye, what's the single greatest hope that a Steelers fan can have coming out of this bye about what moving forward in this season? Well, you know, Wolf. To me, it's the they do what they did in two thousand and six, which Max is aware of, and you do what they did in two thousand and thirteen. There you and go. And then as you get on a roll. Uh, you know, you try and go six and two over the last eight games. Well, in this case, it'll be nine games, maybe seven and two. And you try and finish with a, a respectable record. And I, I mean, look, run, let, let's it'll be somewhat realistic. You're not going to run the table. I don't think any team's going to do that in today's NFL, to be honest, unless you're the Bills or the Chiefs. Um, so, you know, if you can, if you can, uh, you know, start carving out a couple wins, get on a little roll and finish seven and two. Um, you know, even six and three, even though that'd be a losing season, um, the first for Mike Tomlin, I, I think that's, I think that's the hope and, and you're being realistic because this is a two and six football team that, you know, could easily be one and seven, but and then of course they could have won a few. Um, so you know what I'm saying? I think that's, that's the hope that you have that you can get on a roll and get back to respectability. Of course, as we all know, there's a faction of the fan base that would like to see them lose every game and get the number one draft pick too, which to me is foolhardy, of course. Yes. No, absolutely. No, nobody. We're, we're not. We're not in the tankathon sweepstakes. I refuse to believe that. <laughs> tankathon. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. No. We're 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 not doing that, Jerry. Um, obviously, everybody's off. This is a part of that four-day mandatory NFLPA off time. Um, what? Just kind of. What was your sense from this week, um, just as far as what the, they were trying to accomplish? What, what, you know, how they felt leaving the building on that last day? 
Well, you know, Max, today's athletes a little bit different. And um, to me, they were thinking on Wednesday, let's get out of here and enjoy four days. I don't really think they were thinking about, um, I, I need to reflect on these next four days and figure out what's been going on and how we can change this. I think, you know, they kept the coaches there an extra day. They're in there today. Um, and, and, you know, they're going to try and figure this out, you know, whether schematically or whatever the case might be. Um, but, I mean, look, there's no question. I mean, you know, the, the veterans on this team, and there aren't a whole lot, but a guy like Cam, you know, it's eaten away at him. Um, but, you know, to think that these guys are going to go spend the next four days watching film and, and going over the playbook and, and having uh, meetings virtually or by phone, I mean, that's just not going to happen. And, and so on the best you can do is get away and, you know, realize, you know, that you, you were close on a couple games and, you know, that uh, you just do the best you can to, to turn this thing around. And if you're the coaches, you know, you, they made a couple moves, you know, not neither of which are going to change the fortunes of the team. But like, for example, I think the William Jackson trade, was done because he wants to send a message, which is he isn't going to tolerate players not making plays in the back end. You just can't let that go unnoticed or unchallenged. You know, five touchdown passes, uh, three in Philly, one against one in Buffalo and one against New England where the guy was there and they didn't make plays, and then four potential interceptions in Miami mm. where they had their hands on the ball. That's nine plays they didn't make. Uh, and for Mike Tomlin to just let that go and say, okay, we're going to continue to do what we're doing with the people we have, not that any one individual is to blame. Look, Minka gave up two of them, and, you know, Minka is the best there is in the league. Um, so, uh, but he had to send that message that we're just not going to stand still. William Jackson isn't going to come in and change things. It's not Darius Slay. You know, it's not anybody like that. Um, so... I think that was the kind of the thing he had to do. And then the Claypool trade was only made because of what they offered, which I still can't figure out. I don't know why a three and five team would trade, would give up a number two pick for an underachieving wide receiver, uh, especially when with a number two pick, you can get a receiver just as good or better in the draft. And why I could see if the Bengals made that trade at four and four and being without um, Jamar Chase or some team that's in the hunt and thinks they need another piece to the puzzle. But why a three and five team would give up a number two draft choice for Chase Claypool is just beyond me. And that's why the Steelers jumped. They weren't looking to ship them, but all along they thought if somebody came with a ridiculous deal, we'll do it. And somebody came with a ridiculous deal and they did it. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, that was a... What did I hear? Somebody's labeled it a godfather trade. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm going to make you an offer that's too good. Right, and, and that's what it was. Yes. That's right. It, exactly so. But, you know, it also it leads me to believe, you know, the of course, you got TJ coming out. And with TJ coming out also, one of the things that's been interesting to me was the fact that the Steelers have been playing much more man than they have right. in the past. And so right. I remember William Jackson from his years in Cincinnati. I thought he was pretty dead gum good in, in you know, man coverage. You know, well, you he know, stood Wolf, out. Go ahead. Uh, no, I, I'm sorry. Wolf, I didn't mean to interrupt. And, and you're right. And Terrell Austin had him for a brief time there when he was in Cincinnati. Yes. And they liked, they liked the way he runs. Uh, you know, he, he's they, a 4-3-something you know, guy. Yeah, yeah. He, he's, a, he's a good guy. And, uh, 
I think you guys, if you do or don't remember the story, that's the guy the Steelers had targeted in the 2016 draft. Right. And then the Cincinnati Bengals made a trade and jumped right ahead of the Steelers and took William Jackson. And, uh, you I know, remember obviously, that. Yeah, they got snookered, and they had to draft Artie Burns as a result. But they had William Jackson targeted. That's the guy they wanted. And, um, and lo and behold, here he is. But it's also another number one pick, you know, the pedigree that Mike Tomlin likes. And we go right down the list. Carl Joseph, Justin Gilbert, Taco Charlton. There's a whole, there's a few others. You know, if a guy was a number one pick, he has a good chance of being brought in by the Steelers. <laughs> no, that is, that is absolutely too fun. Were there any surprises on the trade deadline um, that you were like, how did, how was this pulled off? Um, and why would they do that? Did you have any of those moments when you're looking through just the entire Besides trade, Chase. Trade wire? <laughs> But yeah, aside that, from that, Chase, obviously we, yeah, we that, talked about that. Aside from that, that was yeah. that was the biggest one, obviously uh, to me. I thought it was a great trade by the 49ers, of course, to get Christian McCaffrey. Um, you know, that just gives them another multi-dimensional threat to go with Debo Samuel. You know, I like that 49ers team. I think people forget they made it to the NFC Championship game last year and lost to the Rams, a team they beat routinely. I think they beat them nine of the last ten times but they didn't beat him when it counted uh, last year. Um, the, the, I, I thought that was the best deal going. Um, uh, I, I thought I thought the Ravens making the deal for Roquan Smith was a great move by uh, Baltimore, uh, you know, adding that piece to their defense, which I don't think was as, you know, it's not the old Ravens defense. They're, all, they're good, but they're not, they're not the, the old style Ravens defense. So I thought that was a big move. Um, I thought that was a big move by the Ravens to make to make that deal. Let me ask you, what's the one thing that you hope that the Steelers can figure out while they're on, uh, you know, they, they, they take this bye week. And one of the things that I always respected was you, you do a lot of self-scouting. You know, right, the scouting right. department is combing through all the, you know, the down distance player packages, personnel, everything like that, and, and assembling statistics and, and stuff to – to be able to like you know go over and and what do you think what, what's the one thing that they hope they can come out uh out of this bye week maybe having solved a existing problem you know wolf or as bill cower used to say we're going to do a lot of self-analysis of ourselves um <laughs> i'm so with bill i'm so with you know, <laughs> you know and, and we will not be detiered Okay. You know, I I, th I thought I thought Wolf to your question. I thought be prior to the last game that the defense was taking steps in a positive direction to the point where you can maybe rely on your defense to win you some ball games. So I don't really think the defense is that far away, especially getting TJ back. Is that going to be the cure all? No, but it's going to be a big big help. So I'm I, I'm not going to sit there and quote worry about the defense as much but look there's no question the offense has to figure it out the problem with that is you have a rookie quarterback and he's going to make mistakes and there's no way he's going to know uh you know the offense like the back of his hand opposing defenses like the back of his hand there's no way he's going to be able to read defenses now the way he will in another year or two or three so you're going to live with his mistakes and as long as you're going to do that, you're going to struggle. Now, do I think Kenny Pickett's going to be a good quarterback? I do. I see a yep. lot of things in him, whether measurables or intangibles, that I like. Um, and so I think he's going to be a very good player. But for now, they're going to live with those uh, mistakes. But I'm not going to lay it off on him. Uh, the, the proof's in the pudding with, uh, with their production. 
uh, and their offensive coordinator just uh, it's just not working let's face it fellas since the start of last season 18 and a half points a game they're averaging when randy fitner was here they averaged almost 25 points for three years and they averaged 26 points his last year and yet they fired him and right now they're averaging 15 points a game so um yeah there's some new pieces there's some young players and you have a rookie quarterback, but but when you didn't have a rookie quarterback, they struggled offensively. So that's what they have to figure out. And whatever it is they figure out uh, or try to figure out, Mike Tomlin's not going to announce it, but they have to do something offensively to be able to produce points because now you just stress your defense. Your defense is good or getting better, but they're not great, and they're not going to shut other teams down. And so if you can only score 15, 15 points a game on average, then guess what? You're going to lose a lot more games So uh, because the defense just isn't that good um, to, to hold teams to 14 points every game. And, and so to me, the offense has to figure this out, Wolf, and, and be able to generate production and win some games on their own. And let's face it, we'll have to hold our breath because Ben Roethlisberger isn't here in the fourth quarter anymore mm. to do that. And, um, you know, based on what we've seen for 25 games, if I've done that math correct, yes, uh, I'm not holding my breath. Especially over 25 games. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's a, that's, a, that's, oh, a, that's a fairly complete body of work, as Mike Tomlin would say. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. But you, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, this, this is the toughest part about watching this is that the offense just is not vertical. I mean, right. you know. We, we shall see what happens after the season, but I don't think it happens in – I mean, do you think – I don't think it happens in season. No, uh, no, I, I, I agree. Because there's nobody to replace. Um, I agree, Max. So, you know, that's never been their – that's not in their DNA to fire coaches midseason. That's why I said if there are changes in terms of getting more people involved, I don't think they're, gonna, they're not going to sit there and announce it. But here's the other thing. What are you going to do? You're going to put Mike Sullivan in charge, which would be a good idea. But what's Mike Sullivan going to do? He's going to run Matt Canada's offense because he can't put in an offense in week nine at this point. Yeah. So, you know, so, you know, the, the chances of that happening or, or, you know, are, are obviously very slim. And I think you just try and, you know, maybe you get more people involved. The fact that Matt Canada does not uh, rely on his other assistants when doing the game plan is just beyond me. And the fact that at halftime, apparently he does not come down and talk to the players is just beyond me. And I think the players, a large percentage of them have lost, have lost faith in the offense, and that's not a good thing. Well, Jerry, before we let you go, on this day, November 3rd, 1956, The Wizard of Oz debuted on TV, okay? So yep. what the question of the day is, who was your favorite character in The Wizard of Oz, and who scared you the most as you were watching? Well, that? yeah, I think uh, well, yeah. The, this is question, important. Wolf, this is serious. The, the stuff. witch, the witch, and the monkeys. Yep, right. There you the go. flying monkeys. Yep, flying scared monkeys. Me the most, and the one I liked the most was probably put them up, put them up. <laughs> the cowardly lion. There we go. There we are. That's we the are one. locked but, solid together, the three of us, three but amigos. I will. I will tell you this, though, on November 3rd, and I will not tell you the birth year, uh, my wife was born. So it is her birthday today. Well, ha wait, happy wow. birthday to the Mrs. Cool Breeze. All right. I will let I will let her know that you passed on your best wishes. Thank you. Absolutely.
Thank you so much, uh, Jerry. Appreciate it. All right, you, boys. Always good chatting with you, even on the bye week. <laughs> oh, man. Well, awesome. Well, thank you, Jerry. And, of course, that is the cool breeze, Jerry Dulac, who's brought to us by Archie's on uh, on East Carson Street on the south side where you can enjoy $9 Bud Light pitchers every NFL Sunday. All right, Wolf, we're going to step aside. You know, we're not going to fly off like the flying monkeys, but nope. we are going to step aside and come back and talk more Steelers football and, of course, more of our intriguing thoughts and quandaries here in the locker room with Wolf and Starks on SNR and ESPN Radio. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's going to run this on the keeper around the left side. And he's stacked up and thrown down hard by Cam Hayward. Yes, Captain Cam. Max, one of the guys that, uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you about some of the guys who do you think would be if you got an MVP? Man, obviously it's not a great uh, two and six uh, first half pre buy, right? But if if you had to uh, point to a guy that um, played at a high level, could be like a pre buy MVP type of guy, who would you take? Because I just revealed who I would. But how about you? Well, since you took Cam Hayward, I would go Miles Jack. He would be probably my other. Um, candidate there, uh, especially defensively. I think Miles gave an instant impact. That he, I mean, he was a guy that just – he just plays hard. He's downhill. He's instinctive. He's made a whole bunch of tackles, <laughs> you know. Right. Um, and the guy has played through injuries and is just one of those guys that's just – he's a war daddy. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's, he's game ready. You know, throw some tape on it. It'll be fine. And uh, just 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 get me right, and uh, and he's been playing really big. I mean, one of I, I would say one of the key acquisitions um, this past off season that has been an impact. You can see his leadership, and it's rubbing off on other guys. You know, that's the other thing when you think about the MVP, their play rubs off on other guys. And I thought it's rubbed off well on Devin Bush. His game has really stepped up. Robert Spillane and that linebacking core has 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 taken their game up a level. Um, because of him being being on this on the squad, and that's where I wanted to go with this, and it shows what a superior brain you got there, buddy. Because the fact of the matter is, Captain Cam is the one guy that makes the boat. He's like the rising tide; it floats all boats. Yeah, when he's there, and and I and I speak to this to, to Steelers Nation. When you have the opportunity to be in inside that bubble and see him and what he means to the other guys, his presence alone is very similar to what Joe Green – I'm not saying it's the same thing, no. Joe Green was just iconic. He was a one-of-a-kind. Uh, but I, as I've often said, Cam Hayward's as close to uh, seeing Joe Green as Pittsburgh's ever going to see, if you ask me, in my most humble opinion. But the fact of the matter is his presence alone is a calming influence – how guys are dynamically raised in their play because of his presence is what you look for. Because every locker room, as we've always talked about, Max, you got adders, subtractors, you got multipliers, you got dividers. And Cam was always a guy that added, but he was a multiplier of the men around him. And I think that's something that 
yeah, I, you know, statistically, you can look at things and say, well, it's not this. Uh, you got to know what it's like inside the bubble, and you got to know what it's like inside the locker room. And a guy like like Cam, I, I don't even know where this team would be if they didn't have a Cam, the Cam Hayward in there as a solidifying force, as a guy who really raised his, raised and, and kept others to the standard. Well, and, I mean, Cam is just such a tremendous piece. And I think, you know, we were all holding our breath, right? What was that, the um, the Jets game where he went down twice in the game? Yeah. And, I think that was it. Yeah, I think we were holding our breath because we're like, man, if we lose Cam. You know, that was kind of like the murmur, and you could kind of feel that kind of kind of hesitation on the sidelines when Cam went down and he had to call for the trainers to come out, you're like, please right. don't let me anything bad. Please don't let me anything bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because you're right. Cam has when, – when TJ is not present, Cam's influence is e- that much even more so magnified. And you appreciate Cam just a little bit more when you lose other pieces around you and he's still there. And he is just he, – he's battle-tested, man. He is, he, he is literally a rock. You know, and you know how hard it is to crush a rock. And oh, nobody's yeah. found a sledgehammer big enough yet to try and take him out, which I've been appreciative of. And he stemmed the tide. Because I think if you lose a Cam and you had a T.J. Watt down, eh, it'd be very tough. It'd be very tough for anybody to do anything. I mean, yes, you know, Minka would, have, of course, have the secondary intact. And, yes, Miles would have, the, I feel like, the linebacking core intact. But that D line, it's so fragile. Um, you know, Larry Ogunjobi has been a nice has been a nice change up to have um, on the squad. But you're right, Cam is Cam is a force multiplier. Yes, I really believe that. You know, yeah. and again, watching the thing about it is, you know, personally because you, you you're a teammate with him, you were in the locker room with him, just being able to watch him and see how the players gravitate around him and how he is able to push, pull, whatever, with the guys and get them going and be that solidifying force. It's important. you got to have those guys, the go-to guys in the locker room, the guys that you can point to as being there week in, week out, and they never, ever surrender. They never, ever, they don't bleed in front of everybody else. You know what I mean? And that type of respect that you have for his playing capacity, for his ability to keep operating, even when he gets nicked up, you know, it's like L.C. Greenwood once told me when I broke my thumb, and he said, now we'll see what kind of ball player you are. Anybody can play this game healthy. You know, I mean, that's, you know, that was yeah. that was L.C.'s attitude way back then. And it, it is <clears throat> it's very much the same here today. But I'll give you another one that I think we got to look at, and Alex Highsmith is a guy that some consideration too. Because I one of the guys that I, I thought about was Bradley Chubb, how much I, I thought, you know, this guy's a pretty good player. But you, if you look at their head-to-head stats, Chubb has five and a half sacks. Uh, uh, Alex has six and a half. Uh, Chubb has 26 tackles. Alex has 31 um, tackles for loss. Chubb eight, and uh, uh, Alex has nine quarterback hits. Um, Alex has nine, and uh, Chubb has only four. You know, uh, all I'm saying is I think Alex has played well, consistently well coming through this first part of the season. I hope it continues after. But he's a guy that, as you watch him raise the bar and level of his play, 
um, he he could he could be very impactful in the second half of the season when you get T.J. Watt back. No, absolutely. I think I think Alex has has lived up to the expectations we had for him, and he's constantly ascending. You know, in in our minds as being the guy opposite T.J. Watt. The only problem is he's been he he's been without being opposite T.J. Watt for right. the last. For the last six games, seven games, um, really, and he still performed. I mean, yeah. I think that's a testament to the hard work that he's put in in this offseason. And like you said, you hope he continues to progress into a position where he can continue to grow once you get TJ back. So I'm excited about that prospect of him and TJ, especially with all, all that he's learned in, T, in TJ's absence. And hopefully that'll make him even more complete outside linebacker slash defensive end type um, in this defense. But you're right. He gets honorable mention. You know, we have a bunch of votes, so he gets a couple of votes. Exactly. Now, let me ask you this. Why don't we open up the phone lines? Because I believe we finally got the what? phone lines corrected. Yes, Yard. In the second half of what hour? What hour is it? Oh, it's the power hour. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is you never seem to misjudge a um, – you know, a, a, a nice home run hit there. You know, one of those, lob, you know, I lob you a softball, you seem to hit it out. Me, I seem to swing and <laughs> miss a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I'm going to have to put it on the T-ball stand yeah. for you. But it's all good. It's well, all good. all we're looking for is contact, Wolf. All we're looking for is contact. That's it, baby. You know it. That's right. Put it in play. Well, we're going we're gonna to press pause and then put it back in play during the power hour. As we, <coughs> Sorry. As we step as I took in too much air there. Do you remember uh, the number, by the way? No, I don't. I definitely. That, 412-919-1316. Once again, that's 412-919-1316. The phone lines are back up, Steelers Nation. We can't wait to hear from you on the next side of this break. You're in the locker room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN and SNR Radio. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 